This is Kanzen Shu, the podcast, episode 373 for the week of January 25th, 2015. What up, hey O's? Welcome back again. Two weeks in a row. Imagine that. Kanzen Shu. The podcast. An extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Kanzen Shu. It's right. Recover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. What a treat to be doing this two weeks in a row. Actually, the last episode took me a little extra time to edit. So as I'm recording this, the previous episode's only been online for like three days. So it feels kind of weird doing this so soon after. My name is Mike Vegito EX. Joining me, swapping out one dude for one of the other dudes. I got Heath, Mr. Hujio. Sir, what's up? Not much. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm hoping your microphone's going to be a little better than Julian's last week. Well, I'm hoping that too. Although <laughs> I do love when it happens to Julian because everyone likes to ridicule him just a little bit. Robo Julian's pretty good. Yeah. But I'm glad that you guys kind of kicked the rust off of everything so yeah, that I can just yeah. come right in and exactly. have no problems. And WD-40, it's all set to go. Does that work? I don't know. I would not recommend spraying that over the recording equipment. Please don't do that. Uh, Heath, it's good to have you with me. We're going to be doing a couple things this episode. We, of course, have news. Even though it's only been a couple days since the last episode went up, we are hitting that period of new movie news where pretty much every day there's going to be something. So we got that for you. And then we're going to be diving back into our 30th anniversary magazine to give you some content conversations. Heath, I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, even though I know I'm not wrong. It was a great opportunity, that magazine, to actually sit down, do some of the research, some of the things we wanted to do. And we're going to be mining that for content because it's stuff we would have been doing on the podcast anyway. It's just now we have it written <laughs> all sketched out in front of us. So people kind of get to see our behind the scenes magic of how we do some outline things, except now it's presented in a magazine first. Yeah, you you usually don't want to see our outlines because they only really make sense to us. That yeah, so true. luckily we were able to put this all together. You can actually see things from our perspective a little bit, but we actually make them readable, which <laughs> is always a good thing. So we're going to talk it out a little more. This episode, Heath, I want to dive into one of the articles you wrote that was about filler material in the series and how things were catching up. There's a lot of myths that uh, have been said about the series and when things were catching up the most. And a lot of that's kind of true, but the fact that you sat down and... Mm-hmm. lived in the spreadsheet for a while <laughs> to actually get the data there is uh, oh excel really cool. can be your friend and your enemy that's right so we'll be diving into that for our topic this week uh at the top of the show here i'm just kind of thinking out loud has any cool dragon ball stuff happened in the last week um i did recently get the fourth kai ending well the boo arc kai ending and uh we've been doing a little driving the last couple days so mary's actually heard them all straight through for the first time and she really liked them i was kind of surprised and not entirely surprised that mary liked all the songs as we were listening Mm -hmm. to them she was saying how they sound very not japanese in a way and i pressed her on what do you mean by that and it's just it sounds like there's a lot more of the um, American influence. We couldn't really put our finger on it because there's still some of that auto-tune, poppy, J-poppy style going on in there. But at the same time, it just feels different. And as much as those songs really are convenience, what label wants to promote what group, I've been enjoying the songs and I have not been watching <laughs> the Boo Arc of Kai. So I, I think there's something to be said for all four of those songs. Uh, Julian and I were talking too. Now I'll 
all four are out now, which one do we like the most? I think I like them in the order they came out the most. What about you? I would tend to agree with that. Yeah. It's uh it's gone from at the beginning they're like, "Oh, we're going to try to at least be as Dragon Ball as possible." Mm-hmm. And then it's just kind of gone the GT route of, well, yeah, just song. what song do we have? right now that first song dear zarathustra um unfortunately the dragon ball related lyrics aren't in the tv version it's that second verse <laughs> that they start talking about boo and i think candy and stuff definitely check out julian's translation of the lyrics uh and i think depending on the day i'm not sure if i like june joe pure heart or oh yeah the most so maybe it's like one yeah. two three four one three two four not entirely sure what do you think about the latest song galaxy i'm impartial I, I don't feel, hate I feel the same it, way. but yeah. I don't love it. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's a song and it's, it's a decent song in its own right, but. It's not doing a whole lot for me, but I don't yeah, actively dislike it That's a good way either. to put it. All right. Uh, did you get any cool packages from Julian lately? I think you did. I did. I got uh, five new issues of Weekly Jump. Yeah. Um, a couple of them have some nice, nice posters. Um, got some calendars, Dragon Ball calendars. Nice. So um, a lot of them are ones that you can find in Daisenshu 1 mm-hmm. or the Chogashu. So it's just nice having it. Uh, the poster is literally the size of the book, if not bigger. Yeah, yeah. So it's in its full glory. Let me ask you this. The stuff that he's sending you, I know there's particular ones that he's on the lookout for, but the stuff that he's mm-hmm. been collecting lately, is it important stuff? I know a lot of it has been color chapter stuff. Uh, some of the other ones, are there any particular reasons, rhyme or reason to them? To begin with, um, what we were shooting for was mostly chapters that we've never seen title pages for. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Things like that. And then after that, now he's really been focusing on color chapters. And every once in a while, he'll pick one up that either Dragon Ball is on the cover or Dragon Ball is has some sort of feature, such as like like I was talking about a poster or a calendar. Yeah, yeah. Something like that, that we know is going to be in there. Or he just happens to willy-nilly buy one just for the hell of it because it's super cheap. Yeah, Um, you said something about title pages that reminds me. I can't remember if we mentioned this on the podcast because we've been so sporadic over the last couple months. Uh, Tell folks about what you did to restore a title page and why. Okay, so for, God, I don't even, when was this? Way back in 1985 when uh, the 12th issue came out of, of 1985, Weekly Shonen Jump, there was a contest that had occurred where people could rank all the different title pages that Toriyama had drawn for Dragon Ball up until that point. Well, this chapter title page was basically half size, and the bottom half was only for the results of this vote, gotcha. essentially. So it's never been reprinted in the Tonkabon, the Kanzenban, anywhere else. It's only ever been available in Weekly Shonen Jump. So Julian just happened to find a copy, and actually he sent me two copies, so that I could destroy um, one. destroy one (laughs) right (laughs) to scan it and um so i scanned it in to photoshop and i went through by hand and basically inked everything back over kind of myself restored everything to the best i could without demolishing the integrity of the original Mm -hmm. and i think it came out really really nice so if you go to the chapter 12 page on the website it's up there you can view a larger version of it and yeah it's pretty much the only digital copy online that i have ever seen and so what you're saying is in the tanko bone and the consumpon reprints what's down at the bottom instead of these results 
Just nothing? Well, uh, nothing appeared there because they actually never reprinted the entire page uh, as a whole. It's only ever available in Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, in the, the Tonkobon and the Kazanbon, they actually moved the original title page for Chapter 13 to take the place of Chapter 12, which was kind of funny because then it leaves Chapter 13 without a title page. And if you look at it, Kame Senen on the Chapter 13 title page is actually holding the Basho fan, the banana fan, uh, which doesn't make an appearance until Chapter 13, yet it's used on the title page of what they now call Chapter 12. So there's always something a little bit weird going on there. But it's really nice to finally have the actual Chapter 12 title page. It's never been reprinted anywhere. Uh, the illustration itself has never even been reprinted, which was always kind of odd. Very nice. So it was a, it was a fun project. It only took me, oh gosh, six months, five months. <laughs> I mean, on and off, but still. <laughs> oh yeah, I would work on it for like, you know, one night a week, and then I'd not work on it for a month. And right. <laughs> yeah. And it would mostly be like Julian bugging me. Hey, have you Did worked you on that, that again? Oh, yeah, maybe I should do that. <laughs> yeah, and on the flip side, the two of us are always like, hey, Julian, that thing we talked about a week ago, did you do that yet? We all get very one-track one We do, we do, and it's usually so. not what the other person needs at that moment, Yep, but so be it. All right, well, those are uh, more stories than I was expecting at the top, but it's mm-hmm. good to catch up on that kind of stuff. I say right now, we transition, let's talk some Dragon Ball news. It's been busy with both Xenoverse and Revival of F this last week. Let's start with the video game news. We were anticipating a lot of this stuff. Uh, We're very, very close to the Japanese release that's still set for February 5th for Dragon Ball Xenoverse over there. Um, So we're right up against some of the magazines that are due out and coming out and what are they going to spill the beans on before the game comes out. And we did get that uh, glimpse of what we assume is going to be this character Demigra that Julian and I hinted at last week we do have the shot up from the march 2015 v jump also as a part of this some other stuff that was announced super saiyan 4 kojita uh ishinron the one star dragon they're going to be in the game as well um here's the really interesting thing we're kind of swapping what japan is getting in terms of additional content whereas for us the pre-order bonus is super saiyan 4 vegeta uh it's not that way over in japan you actually get him as a bonus if you order the strategy guide for the game strategy guide will come up some extra stuff too and i guess that ties us into the the big announcement for xenoverse which is really worldwide although i haven't really seen much uh, in the way of japan details and that's the dlc that's coming to it we're getting not only real dlc for dragon ball games for the first time but they're doing the season pass and if you're not into the gaming scene a season pass is usually a collection of upcoming downloadable content and if you buy it all up front you get a little bit of a reduced price bandai namco has announced three packs of dlc for the game and the season pass will save you five bucks they're 9.99 each if you buy the season pass up front you get it for about 25 bucks 24.99 so the interesting thing here is jocko is coming that's the uh patrol perk pre-order bonus in japan we're getting that as the third dlc pack but the first one which is going to be available in march will be three new playable characters and they're all from gt you get the gt versions of goku pawn and trunks and you get some more time patrol quests and some special moves and costume stuff then the second pack uh second and the third they don't have a date for yet second packs just says right now exclusive playable characters quests special moves and costumes so more of the same and then dlc pack three which is going to be coming later 
is uh appears to be exactly that patrol perk with uh Kami Senin set the Jocko I think they called him Jocko the Space Patroller. I feel like guys, it was written in English in Japan. I don't know how difficult this is. It's always as difficult as you make it. And highly exclusive content. So DLC packs come into the game and we did get screenshots of some of the GT stuff there. So Xenoverse is kicking into high gear. We did have that one week delay for uh pretty much everywhere outside Japan. So we'll be getting at the end of February as they get it the beginning of February. And here we are on January 25th. I still haven't decided if I'm going to buy the Japanese version. I'm really close because I want to watch whatever. I, you know you will in the end. I know I will. So I want to watch whatever the special feature is as soon as I can. I don't want to wait that extra month. So Mike, Mike. Yeppers. Uh, I think that's it for Xenoverse. Uh, I want to talk some Japan stuff. Kind of have two things here. One we just posted about. Uh, we'll get to movie stuff. But Heath, I did want to check in with you. There was an official apology that was just put out. What was this? <laughs> you saw my my tweet? Yes, I did. What's going on? All right. So uh, on January 6th, I believe it was, uh, Toei Animation released the Artificial Human and Cellark box set. Uh, they were coming out in Blu-rays and DVDs. This is for uh, Basically, they, they took all of the older sets they had originally released and they're just cramming them into one box. It all has a Kikuchi score. You know, they've, they've redone all that. But the fun part is they haven't gone back through and actually corrected any of the errors in name spellings in oh. the credits. Uh, so if you bought the box, you got this nice little note card sized piece of paper that says, oh, um, we're going to issue an apology and a correction. We went ahead and miscredited Fuji TV publicist Tomoko Tumagai. Uh, they basically misspelled her name and then they said, and we also didn't go back through the box and correct it, but these are the episodes where we spelled it wrong and it should be this. Was it just the one name or there are other names too? Well, they only addressed the one, but that's the funny part is because in the 98th episode, yes, I remember there's a that. misspelling. Yeah. Uh, they didn't, not only did they not acknowledge it, they also didn't correct it. So there's other ones that they hadn't gone back and fixed, but it was kind of a, well, we don't really care at this point. So we're just going to give you a sheet of paper and they weren't going to spend the money to go back in and edit all of the Blu-rays and DVDs. Gotcha. So yeah, it was just, you unbox it and you're like, what's this? Slip oh my God. <laughs> I thought it was humorous. All that's right. about it. Well, that takes us to revival of F News. And really, um, I mean, there's two things here. One is just the list of the preview screenings that Julian went through and detailed. Uh, and I see he's up to nine entries to try and get into a preview screening. So hopefully his odds are pretty good there. But then Heath, uh, the, the fun news, this was literally just a couple hours ago at this point. We got some returning characters in the movie. I'm not sure we were expecting them. I was actually quite surprised that they were coming back because it seemed like last time for Battle of Gods, they were more incorporated as goof characters just from Toriyama's aspect. Like he wanted to bring back um, more of a lighthearted nature into the movie, which originally was set as a very dark toned right. movie. And we can say that um, this group of characters... Uh, per the original draft was just going to be a random group of thugs and it mm -hmm. was when Toriyama came in he said eh, if we're going to have characters might as well be people we know and that's how we got them Heath who is set to return in Revival of F the greatest character of all time Pilaf and his minions that's right so good it's it's the Pilaf gang is coming back they're all together for me I know we've had a lot of reaction uh from people about it and for me it's it's more of a, I'm just glad to have the voice actors back because I love listening to them so much. They're all so um, good. So we will, we will see what type of role 
they actually play in the movie. And I, I guess we can say that Shigeru Chiba actually tweeted about this too, who's the, the voice for Pilaf. Mm-hmm. And you know him from so many of the roles in Japan. I'm, I won't even start listing them. You could never list them all. There's so many. But it was also Eiko Yamada, who kind of broke the news about the extended edition of Battle of Gods last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the one putting up photos and stuff. It's pretty great. It's, it's really humorous, at least to me, that she is not very involved in the anime industry much anymore these days. No. Yet she's the one that, like, when she gets together with this group this cast she's the one that starts divulging i mean let's let's be clear talking about it she comes in she's one of three characters the other actors she is with are shigeru chiba and tesho genda i mean these are some of the biggest voice actors in japan if you were her you're coming in like psyched every chance you get to be with these people and it sounds like they had a lot of fun i mean it, it was just neat because uh chiba throughout you know like he had such delight you know being great king pilaf today mm-hmm. and uh he had a lot of fun but then eiko uh yamato when she tweeted hers out she took it on as though she were actually my yeah so it, it was kind of <laughs> weird because she's just like the three of us got together and we're such long time acquaintances and we had so much fun and so it's just it's neat to see those sort of things but i i am very interested to see what type of role they play mm-hmm. i mean i have my theories well not theories what i would want to see mm-hmm. i know we have plenty of people on the forum and people that have tweeted at us yeah saying this is what i'm hoping for and i tend to agree with some of them not so much with others and i know some people are just being funny so what we're going to do right now is i did ask on twitter recently and we got a bunch of responses uh he, oh i'm going to run through these i want your gut reaction to some of these thoughts aj says small cameo within the first 20 minutes and then cast aside in favor of more dramatic frieza things i'm pretty much spot on with a lot of that i would just want a little bit maybe at the end maybe like a 30 second something all right. But yeah. We've got smallest Lou man here. I'd love for them to try and get on Freeze's good side. A chance for the gang to stumble around in battle armor would be great. Okay, now I'm on board with this one too. All right. We got a multi-part one here from Peter. He's got the whole thing all figured out. I want an epic battle of good and evil to take place, and when Frieza takes control of the battle and all hope seems lost, Pilaf and crew swoop in to one shot Frieza and his godly powers into oblivion. Then Shu Soba to look to the camera and simply say, Well, I guess every dog does have his day. Everyone laughs, credits, boom. I love the fact that he had to throw in Soba. Amazing. For the hell of it. <laughs> um, Man, that, you know how many people would be so mad, which would make it like the best thing ever. I agree. Uh, all right. Navi's Pimp says, Pilaf should defeat Frieza. But seriously, I want them to be around with the rest of the characters, but not in the main role. Yeah, I, I would be fine with that. More of a background, but still there interacting. Hmm. I think there is some great dialogue that could be had. I certainly movie. hope so. See, Sean Kaboom says, is it weird of me to hope for more cute and funny trunks slash my moments no really is it weird it is totally weird but i approve i think it'll continue i think so i think so i i don't know how they could have them in the movie and have i think it'd be great if they play it off like through the majority of the film like 95 percent of it where they're two kids that you know like we like each other but they're staying on the other side of the room uh-huh. and you're just getting looks well, here's, I, that, I don't know why. I think that would just be hilarious. Here's a question in the middle of these responses I have for you. You think there's still going to be kids? I don't know. That is my other question. Because I think, I really think at this point, maybe they've found the Dragon Balls and now they're adults again. Maybe. And then that really complicates things. Well, then it just makes GT easily. And it also kind of, yeah, 
ties into GT. See, David says, peel off rants about world domination, Frieza death beams them, and Boo becomes a super Majin god out of anger over Shu's death. More dogs getting hit here. I That one kind of blew my mind a little bit. And see, Joseph says, I want them to bring Cell back, who then beats Frieza. This is all in the first 20 minutes of the movie, by the way. That's when you find out Cell is the main villain of the movie. Now, that is a twist I could get behind. And see, we got a couple more. Jacob says, peel off tries to arrange a marriage between Mai and Trung so he can enjoy Bluma's family fortune. I can see that as very plausible. Let's see. And then finally from Kevin here, they replace the Ginyu squad. That could totally work, especially if a lot of people forget about the whole Piccolo, Daimao uh-huh. sort of situation where they're basically bowing down to him and doing whatever he wants because uh-huh. he's powerful and they think that they might get some nice wealth, world domination sort of stuff out of it. I could very much see that happening here. I'm on board for that, and Ginyu Frog's still kicking around somewhere, right? Oh my god, can, can Ginyu Frog just die? All right, man, that's going to wrap up our news and your response to the news, so we're going to take it over to our topic for the week. Heath Killer is, it's a thing. If you're into Shonen, you kind of have to deal with it. It's a thing that all fans really love, they just don't want to admit it. <laughs> well, there is a lot of, I mean, people always point to, I love the driving episode. And there's everyone who's not even a Dragon Ball fan knows and loves the driving episode. But when we're talking about filler, it's generally stuff like the padding, the spaced out long moments of staring. And then you get things like mm-hmm. filler arcs, like the Garlic Jr. arc and the Afterlife Tournament. Dragon Ball is generally pretty good about... Well, I say good, but <laughs> what it does yeah. is instead pads things out as opposed to inserting entirely new, long-running filler arcs as opposed to something like Naruto, which had, well, like 100 episodes oh. of just new material. I think it had an entire straight year at one point. Yeah, <laughs> that might even be two yeah, years. That's about where I stopped. Um, yeah, every Shonen series pretty much falls victim to this. Um, it's just a part, part of the, the business model, really. Which I was is- going to say, it's also part of the genre because you run into this situation where to appeal to young boys and men, a lot of these series actually involve some sort of fighting, hand-to-hand combat, what have you. And there is pretty much no dialogue. Right. So... Sometimes when you're doing an animated adaptation of that, it's very hard to not have dialogue and just have people fighting constantly and you go through chapters yeah, so fast. That's the thing. If you adapt so that straight, you have done. to have Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, you could do five straight fighting chapters in one episode, but then you've just gotten rid of over a month's worth of material. Right. <laughs> and it just seems like quite a waste. So they had to figure out something to do and This was their solution. What we're going to talk about is Dragon Ball and what its stats were in terms of when it was catching up, what it did to alleviate that catching up, and what people think of as maybe the worst moment in the series. It's the big joke, the five minutes on Namek, was that part of this problem with catching up. And Heath, what you did is you you dove into, all right, what were the original chapter publication dates and where was the series at at that point? And you kind of have this ongoing chart and spreadsheet 
full-on data of what was when, at what point, and we can really take a look at what did they do and why do we think we did that. So we kind of extrapolate that data out and then form an opinion on it. That's what we do here on the show. Heath, Dragon Ball actually didn't start as quickly as it could have in terms of an animated adaptation. They let it build up a little bit and they were okay for a while. So we know that it started in November of 1984. The TV series didn't start till what was it, February 86? February 26th, I believe. 1986. So there's a a year and change there they had of uh, backlog of material. So kind of set the stage for us. How was it going for a while in those early chapters, early months, early years? So at the beginning of Dragon Ball, they actually stuck fairly close to a, a chapter per episode sort of basis. And they went through a lot of chapters at the beginning because they had a lot of backlog material that they could use. And they were already far enough ahead in the manga that the anime staff knew where the series was going, which was an eventual problem that they would run into. Right, where they didn't. (laughs) Things would eventually get so close and they would go to Toriyama, who is notorious for not planning ahead and coming up with the next week's story almost two or three days before he would storyboard it. Yeah. So we're talking about maybe two weeks in advance, the anime staff may know kind of what's going on. Uh, but we have so many accounts of Toriyama not even knowing who is going to win right, any right. of the Budokai tournaments. So it's it's kind of humorous from that aspect. Uh, to rely on someone that has almost no reliability story-wise. <laughs> yeah, you can't plan around that. No, I want to talk about the, the peel-off arc in particular. You're saying going roughly around a, a chapter per episode. That's a really brisk pace. But when you think about it, there was still a lot of good filler material in there. In the manga, you don't see peel-off for a long time in that arc comparatively Mm -hmm. speaking, uh, they bring those characters in pretty quickly in the TV version. Then there's great scenes like him pulling the knife on, what is the alligator, the crocodile. Who's just sunbathing. Sunbathing on Kamisenin's island. Yeah, I mean, there's good material in there. And it was written in a way where it really felt tightly integrated into the story. So they were moving at a brisk pace while still inserting stuff. And you can really tell that if they didn't even insert just that little amount They would be blowing through things even more quickly. Right. Which actually was a good thing at the beginning. Oh, for sure. I think it really, really helped them. And I don't know if maybe in in North America, at least, it's just people aren't as quite familiar with the beginning of the series as they are with Dragon Ball Z, Mm -hmm. which is common not only within the United States, but just internationally. It's by far the more popular of the three series. The filler in between all... You know, all of them is so different, I feel like. Yeah, it and is. I, I think that lends to the credibility of what the anime staff was doing. And also just the fact that at the beginning, a lot of it was training and hand-to-hand uh, martial arts mm-hmm. combat. And Dragon Ball Z was a little different. That early stuff, those early stories, you can really just show them doing whatever you want and, and it fits in. As opposed to some of the later stuff mm-hmm. where things get so galactic in scale that you, you try writing around some of that stuff and you run into problems. All right, so we set the, the stage for these early chapters. How were things progressing for a while? Well, for a while, it was actually pretty good. It was fairly steady. You If you look at the chart, that's in the magazine uh, that I put together, this graph. You know, it kind of, it's it's always on the decline, which as soon as an anime adaptation starts, there's always going to be a decline. But there's always what I kind of call the critical point, which is the halfway mark. Mm-hmm. When Dragon Ball started, 
it was already 62 chapters into the manga series. Okay. So you're thinking, oh, okay, you know, we got plenty of time here. But the question is, how long will it take us to either get rid of all of this material or cut it in half? And just from going by the chart, I, I noticed a trend of they really tried to get back up to that halfway point because when you're sitting around 30 chapters and you're thinking about four chapters a month, roughly, you know, four weeks a month, that, that puts you at a pretty good point. You can plan ahead. Um, you know what you can do story-wise. And we see it almost right off the bat initially with, with Shu. We referenced this earlier, Shu and Soba, where Toriyama didn't realize he had already named the character in the anime because they had a, f- a far enough look ahead that they could say, Hey, we're going to use this character as a filler character at the beginning. Mm-hmm. What's his uh, name? But he needs a name. So then you start to run into those sorts of situations, which I've always looked at as kind of uh, with a little bit of fondness mm-hmm. to Dragon Ball because that's just who Toriyama is. And you just, these things happen and you just kind of scratch your head and go, yeah, that's Toriyama. But the steady decline goes all the way down. And then basically once we hit April 1989, around when Dragon Ball Z begins, mm-hmm. that's when we really start to notice more filler really coming in. We've had it before. Yeah, I actually want to stop you right there because a lot of people like to talk about the first series and say there's basically no filler. I mean, yeah, there is. There's the padding, but there's nothing like the mm-hmm. Garlic Jr. arc or the Afterlife Tournament. And that's not entirely true. Is it after no. the 22nd Budokai when Goku kind of takes off in his training and eventually he makes his way to God and all that stuff? There's some it's, extra it's, stuff there. Yeah, well, even even before that, um, he goes to Urnai Baba. Mm-hmm. Uh, right after the Red Ribbon Army, right. I mean, that all just transitions and, into um, each other. There, he goes right into this this solo training sort of thing. Maybe that's what I'm thinking um, of there. Yeah, in preparation for the Budokai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where. The, and they even pull in some um, Journey to the West references. Right, that's the thing I'm most um, familiar with. He goes with. to the Demon Realm. Right, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have these little arcs of a filler. But There's another little. one, right. Um, where he's training in heaven um, before he fights Ma Jr. Right. Uh, that's another one. Then we have the wedding dress stuff with Gyu Mao mm-hmm. at the end. More um, Journey to the West stuff. Anin. I love the Journey to the, the West references. I do, too. But yeah, it is there, but it's very much... I don't even know if I can put a finger on it. It's very much in line with the story at the time. And not that it isn't in, in Dragon Ball Z, but it ties in so well. Um, yeah, you know, the way I would describe them all is they're all part of the transition rather than being separate from that transition going on. Right. You think about the Garlic Jr. arc. Yeah, it's within a transition period, but it's completely standalone. It doesn't affect the events before or after. Goku training, I mean, as weak as it is, that is a connection to I'm heading to a tournament. Mm-hmm. This is my preparation for the tournament. And the afterlife tournament's the same thing. It's like we got these years in between. Uh, here's the thing Goku was doing during that time. I guess that's a good way to put it. It's it's more easy to tie into the story than what is in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. And even in the in the Cyan arc at the beginning, um, we have so many episodes of Gohan running around doing various things right. and there's nothing really wrong with it, but the the problem for me has always been it lies within the very center of this not very long arc if you read it in the manga. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's not terribly long, and it's almost twice as long in the anime. <laughs> That's Just, true. That's true. Yeah. 
I mean, so, we saw that with the Kai version, which cut 35, 36 episodes down to, what was it, 18? 16. 16, even 16, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you get rid of the robot, you get rid of the orphans, and one's good, one's bad, respectively, right there, and you mm-hmm. cut out a lot of stuff. At the same time, that was one of the only instances where it was all filler, but it was all very purposeful. That being right. grow Gohan as a character. So the whole goal of this research project that I put together was really, in large part, Julian helped me quite a bit because I had already started it long ago, but I was always using the sale dates yeah, of yeah. Shonen Jump. And now Julian got me the actual, I was using the cover dates. Julian got me the actual sale dates. Right. I guess we can say it's similar to how V-Jump works works where it's dated for March 2015, but it came out January 21st. Same thing with Weekly Shonen right. Jump, where it comes out on this date, but it's forward dated for being, this is the jump for the week of this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an anthology, and there's 52 weeks in a year, so all they're doing is saying, oh, this is the first week issue, but the actual release dates that they use have nothing to do with the year. Yeah, you buy it a so, week or two ahead of that. Mm-hmm. What we did was, once we had those dates, we could figure out the difference in between when, on any given week, the time period between the anime episode that week and what chapters it comprised and the manga chapter that came out that exact same week. So then we get a differential in the number of chapters in between those points. And that's mostly where this graph comes from. So we can tell how much manga material is still out there at that point when any given episode. Got it. And from there, what I wanted to do was actually just go through the chart and say, okay, well, now I have a chart with dates and manga chapters. So I can go through any date and just look at, well, what was the backlog at that point? And it's neat because you can take Anybody can do it. It's a little hard with the graph we provided. <laughs> but, yeah, that's true. Um, you can take any date of, you know, hey, I want to know when this episode came out, why they made this obscene filler episode that I hate. And you can go look at the chart and be like, oh, there's almost no material out there. So they had to do it. <laughs> Usually it's for a reason. Okay. Right. So that that's good to know. So we're into the Cyan arc. How are things looking in terms of material here? So around the Cyan arc, it's, we're well below the halfway point. Oh, okay. Um, and they needed to do something. So, so just to reiterate, when you're talking about a halfway point, you're saying that when Dragon Ball started, they had about 60 chapters. So when you're saying halfway mm-hmm. point, is that like 30-ish chapters where they're at? Right. And at this point, they're actually down more closer to like 25, 20. Gotcha. So they only have that much to work with before they are literally mm-hmm. caught up to where the manga is being published. Got right. it. And the, and the other fun fun part, I guess, I think I talk about it in the article. I was just curious myself, like, you know, a really good experiment would be, what if I just subtracted out all of the weeks where an episode didn't air, Mm -hmm. and then just go through, and then I cut out all of the filler, Uh as if filler episodes never existed. And it was amazing how fast the anime caught up (laughs) with the manga. So it's lucky for them to get those occasional holiday or baseball games or something else going on. Those are, woo, just like an extra week to work on something. So, and I think uh, Masako Nozawa actually said in um, an interview once, she's like, yeah, I always thought that when we had weeks off, that the anime staff was working, but it would turn out that they would have the week off too. (laughs) So when we'd come in to record we'd still have the same old stuff on the screen. They wouldn't be any farther ahead of us. <laughs> they knew, right. It's like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so so keep going. How do things progress from here? Because we're heading toward what people ask about the most, which is the, the Frieza arc, specifically the end of it. Right. So we have these numerous instances of these short little filler arcs that we've seen all throughout the 
the series. And we come to the Frieza arc, which is one thing that the people have always brought up oh it's just it's so drawn out it's it just seems like it takes forever it it has to be all filler that's what you would think now there is filler in there but there's i feel like there's not quite as much filler as what you think there is when you actually look at the numbers and sit down and figure it out especially when you consider we just came off a little bit of i think in the the namek there's that early stuff you know we had uh we had the space pirates and we had space pirate yeah all that stuff so we've already had kind of a little cushion and then throughout you know we get some ginyu filler we get frog right, filler yep, balma yep. has to go find the crab what oh, Bulma and the crabs i mean that that's one of the worst offenders because i mean if you were watching it in the original syndication here in north america funimation's first sub I, yes it was funimation's first sub i always have to say that in uh, 96 through 98 there were a bunch of breaks that we had one was of course after the first season 26 end of the cyan arc and then the next significant break happened and then we waited a couple months and then the first new episode to come back after that break was Bulma and the Crabs. Like, son of a bitch. I waited all this time for this. So that's why we hate it more than anyone else. That's why you hate it. <laughs> why? Are you, are you in love with I the I think crabs? it's the most amazing thing ever. All right. Well, you can just leave <laughs> no, the show I, right now. No. All right. Anyway. Right. Um. So what I called the first true milestone mm-hmm. um, occurs in August of 1987. Okay. So... This is uh, just a year and a half after Dragon Ball Z had premiered, or after Dragon Ball had premiered. Um, And that's the point where the initial backlog has gone from 62 to 31. So essentially, they've cut it completely in half. Got it. And it's only only taken them a year and a half. And this is a 10-year series. (laughs) Right. So... Just a little perspective there. And then from that point, we see all these little pieces of fillers like we were talking about. Um, And then in September 1989, uh, which was the beginning of Dragon Ball Z, then the chapter gap never, ever recovered, essentially. It always hovered somewhere between 10 to 20 chapters until the very end of the series. And that's rough. Yeah. So you, you can see at that point why people complain so much more about Dragon Ball Z than they do Dragon Ball not only from what we talked about previously of just how well the filler material actually fits in with Dragon Ball, but they had to use filler throughout Dragon Ball Z to really pad things out as much as they possibly could. You're also talking about a very limited staff that, you know, of course. trying to be as creative as possible. Yeah, <laughs> so. with an original author who's, yeah, he's creative, mm-hmm. but he's, he's not planning that creativity. He can't really help him too much. I mean, he did. We got ideas he tossed out there, like Yamcha being a baseball player, and he would do some sketches and stuff and maybe give him a rough idea. But, I mean, he wasn't writing these arcs for them. Well, and it seems like if... If you go back, we have a, a page in the production guide on the website of Toriyama's contributions to the anime. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that beyond the sign arc, it's very limited. It is. Yeah. Um, I, it, exactly. it seems like he got he started to get a lot busier. Uh, Dragon Quest was getting <laughs> right. a lot more popular. So he was tied up with that. He was doing one shots. And to the mid 90s. He was helping with the. Yeah. And he was helping with movies. Movie stuff. Right. Yeah. Now that you think about it. Now that you mention it, I go back and I think, okay, Gregory, Yamcha baseball player, a uh, King Vegeta sketch. Like we're into early mm-hmm. Namek stuff there, but that's about it. Yeah, when he starts to even go a little farther on, it's he would maybe shoot them an idea, but he wouldn't give them much information at all, or he'd just shoot a sketch yeah. over to his editor. So yeah, he, he just got really busy at that point. So it's not all too surprising he got burnt out, but... so. 
let's stick Frieza arc here. How, how are things going? I mean, this is what we're talking about. It feels so padded. And you've already just said it's not as padded as you think it is, but there's still a lot of problems going on here, right? Mm-hmm. In June 1991, that is when the series hit its smallest chapter gap, which is what I call the, you know, the gap between where the anime is and where the manga is okay. at the time. And that was 10 chapters. <sighs> and where in the series is this? Oh, that's the fun part is it coincidentally or not. I have no idea, but I use the word anyway. Okay. Um, occurred with the broadcast of Dragon Ball Z episode 97. Ooh, so we're two after the Super Saiyan transformation. Yes, for those who are unaware of episodes. I mean, 95, I know 95. Goku, so. <laughs> Goku transforms. 96, giant hair Super Worst Saiyan Goku. Worst episode animation ever. Oh my God, it's so bad. And then 97, animation comes back on. Um, but that is the week that they hit an all-time low. Wow. So basically, right when Goku transforms into the legendary Super Saiyan, mm-hmm. boom, we got to use filler because we only have like two months of material left. And then what happens right when they're like, okay, well, we stretched this out. We finished uh, the Frieza arc. Goku won. He's went off. We have to do Garlic Jr. And they did have some filler there. You did have, I always think, to Gohan coming back. And mm-hmm. that fuels the flames of did Goku die there because Gohan doesn't actually come back in the manga. All that and he got wished back. But yeah, you're right. Like they hit that limit. It's we have to do something now. And that's where we got Garlic Jr. And it's it's led to so many jokes of, you know, five minutes takes five years of dragon ball z and right but i but talk about the the pacing of the the manga versus the anime there what i remember you saying is they're still moving at at that point around a chapter per episode it's just that a lot of that what you Mm -hmm. think of as boring stuff is kind of in the manga too so well which goes back to what i was harping on earlier of just the typical shonen genre of we're fighting you stop for a second to say, well, I've only been using 50% of my power. And then you go back to fighting. There's not a lot of dialogue, and they kind of had to stretch some of that out. And they did that. And you also get, like, like the Ginyu special squad showing up on, on North Kaios. Kaios planet. And I also think back to the scene of, was it Kamizenin and Oolong? They're going to take off in the spaceship. They're going to go help. We get that, you know, exposition back on Earth kind of stuff. And it's still paced relatively well. It just feels really bad so at that point they were up until that point i should say they were averaging like a 1.3 chapters per episode that's brisk which if you think about it isn't that bad and you're thinking well gosh they really must have gone to what like half a chapter per episode because man that five minutes took forever well the five minutes kind of takes forever in the manga too especially if you look at the fact of how many chapters that takes yeah yeah. and then you think of how many weeks did it take to release all of those chapters right right (laughs) yeah we have the convenience of always reading it just in order so at that point when they hit the lowest chapter gap at 10 they dropped down to a single chapter per episode so what that actually did was um kind of canceled out the effects of releasing a chapter per week because then they could draw it out as long as they could because as long as a chapter came out every week and they released a single chapter per episode, right. they would never drop in backlog material. Right, and you, um, you insert garlic, you get, was it, eight or nine episodes right. worth of extra stuff there? And so if you look at the chart, it, it jumps right back up. They get their backlog back up of, you know, an extra 
two and a half months on top of what they already had. Still not that boom, magical. You're back in business. Still not that magical halfway point that you were talking no. about earlier, or about 30. 20 is better than 10. And then really the only time it eventually climbs back up and we start to look fairly decent is when you get towards the end of the anime series. And that's mostly because, well, one, the Majin Buu arc took more weeks off than any other time mm. in history of Dragon Ball until GT came along. And but what was that stuff? Was it baseball games, that kind of stuff? Baseball games. Um, I think one one was the Olympics. Okay, it kind of fell. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was very interesting because if you go back and look how many weeks they took off, I think there was one point. Oh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was April or March '95. Mm-hmm. That so very toward the end. That not a single episode aired within the month itself yeah, i was thinking there's Something a like there's a part of gt where there's a, i think an entire month where there's no episodes too mm-hmm. and then there's one and there's yeah. like another two off or something like that but i think that more had to do with their broadcasting their lineup at the time and it worked out for them and even then the boo oh it definitely still feels out. slow and as we've been seeing with uh the kaiification of it i mean there's probably more they could be doing but as they got to the halfway point in the boo arc of kai there there's they're they're not cutting as much as they probably could, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. that just is the show. It's the, it's being adapted. And, um, yeah, Kai is an, its own beast. And we've been talking about that. How's your categories and layouts and Kai documentation? How's that treating you? Oh, it, it came to a utter standstill. <laughs> I don't blame you. It, uh... So, it, Super Saiyan 3 came out. Is that where and, we are? Um, I have no idea. Oh, we're way past that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it, it kind of stopped. I was like, yeah, I'll cover up till here. And then I totally got caught up with other things and the wiki. And it's just been an utter... I will get to that at some point. I, think I have people are everything I that. need. I just... I don't have the time to sit down and just make pages. So. I hear you. So, I, I guess we've brought ourselves to the end of the series. And then we get to GT, which is anime only mm-hmm. um can we talk about filler in gt for a minute even though there's really sure. no such thing because it's an anime original and they can tell whatever story mm-hmm. they want to tell um there's definitely still a couple points in gt that feel like filler there was one episode in particular i think it might be my favorite gt episode i like the final episode a lot but it's the random budokai they have toward the end uh, i think it's the episode after super 17 ends we have papaya man that is mm-hmm. such a a filler feeling kind of episode. And at the same time, I feel like they had the most fun with that episode. I know. It's like the B staff got a chance to do something that didn't relate to the A staff's just boring ass story stuff going on. And it felt great. I always enjoyed that episode, but it definitely has a feeling of, well, we're going to transition this and we're not quite sure how to do it. So we're going to go back to the old school way. Yep. We're just going to have a tournament. Or something in between. <laughs> That's right. And it, it, it kind of falls into the guise of the Majin Buu arc where you're like, hey, look, we're having a tournament. And then it turns into something else. What final takeaways do you want to give people from, from the research here and what we've looked at and what people think the problem was and what maybe was the problem or was not the problem? That's like 20 questions all rolled into a nonsensical statement. Yeah. So do whatever you can with that. I guess my biggest takeaway, which is something that I think we all already knew was that the anime would have caught up with the manga. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I always felt weird when people would just say, hey, this is what would have happened. That's why filler exists. Well, I don't know. I've seen other series where, like you were mentioning earlier, earlier Naruto, when you have years in a row of just solid filler, sometimes it's hard to justify that as, well, they just are trying to prevent it. 
Because what's going to happen when the series starts back up again? You're either going to get people to come back or you're going to have a case like Kenshin. After Kyoto Mm -hmm. arc, you get the Christian arc. People didn't come back. That series died because people gave up on it. You didn't get the Anishi stuff until these terrible OVA episodes years later. That's about where I even stop anytime I watch the anime. Kenshin? I don't go much beyond. Yeah. Yeah, you you, you can't. You you have to just read the manga after Mm -hmm. that. The the revenge arc's actually really good in the manga, and it's got ties from the previous arc. It's good stuff. But yeah, so you have an instance like Kenshin where it did not recover and never could recover cover and these latest movie ova retellings are just complete garbage so yeah what we all wanted to see was a shishio sex scene come on like really <laughs> anyway so you get a series like kenshin that couldn't recover you get a series like naruto which thankfully was strong enough but i still feel like it lost people because i know plenty of people lost that me. have not watched since then I, I never did. I always say that I didn't even I didn't even make it to the, the Majin Sasuke arc. I don't know what you would call it. Mm-hmm. But it was like the filler before the filler. Like the filler yes. that people talk about. Uh, I think there's like a boat race in a town or something. Like I never made it past that. So I, I don't know what the story in Naruto is beyond that. And it sucks because I love the characters, but it lost me. I, I couldn't do it. And then the problem becomes it's such a long running series that once you get behind, I mean... Do you really want to spend all that time trying to catch up? Right. And that's where a lot of, that's the biggest pitfall where people go, well, yeah, like One Piece. Gosh, people haven't watched it in like two years. Yeah. They're they're not going to go pick it back up. And I'm not familiar enough with Bleach. I don't know what the hell happened there. (laughs) Something (laughs) happened. Oh, the serialization kept going. The anime just stopped. So, I mean, we've seen all these various shonen, and they're all shonen jump properties, and they were all treated in Mm -hmm. slightly different ways. And you can see what happened with some of them over these last couple decades Mm -hmm. here. And in large part, if you think about it, um, the majority of them, you know, say, say Bleach, Naruto, Dragon Ball were all animated by different animation studios. Yeah. And hey, look at Toriko, so, which died <laughs> and gave us Kai back. And then you get something mm-hmm. like JoJo's, Yay. which if you're not watching JoJo's, what are you doing with your life? Which is the weirdest series. Like it's so massively popular and it got an OVA of the most popular part. And then like a theatrical release of part one, which never even came out on home video. That whole series has just been sitting there and then... Yeah, if you come back to it so many years later, people are ravenous for it. I feel like part one really, they flew through that material. It's like they want to get to Stardust Crusaders as fast as possible. And then they did, but I feel like uh, it really slowed down for part two. It felt like a good pace, but they're in Mm -hmm. a good place with JoJo's now where there's another, what, like four or five complete series and one of them super, super long. If it maintains its popularity, JoJo's could be, I don't want to say like the best case scenario where they can just do the series as they want and not worry about catching up because yeah, maybe they will. And then they could just stop there and they'd have done like Mm -hmm. six, seven complete series and it would be great without having to worry about filler the whole thing just essentially relies on how the industry is actually set up in japan i mean that's that's the biggest pitfall that they have is not having and i hate i really hate to say this not having seasons um of of having people run you know they have these series that continuously run yeah shonen doesn't do that yeah and if people ever want to get rid of filler 
that is the only solution. But the, the problem really is that that's what they do. And I don't think like, say, Fuji TV, the studios will ever get away from it because they no, get no. so much advertising money for it. Well, that's the thing. They have a weekly running series. If we haven't made it clear, the business model here, the show is not the product. The show is an advertisement for everything else including the mm-hmm. manga. I mean, we live in a country, the United States of America, where the product is the show. That's what Funimation gets to sell. And yeah, there was a period of time where Dragon Ball was popular enough where they could do toys. They could do American-only video games. But very few shows, very few properties are popular enough, and the Japanese companies are willing to extend that risk to these foreign licensors, licensees, these, these very deep relationships. Are they going to let them do something like that where the show is not the product in japan the show is just there to remind you to buy everything else and play commercials in the Mm -hmm. meantime and yeah it's great when you get things like cartoon network and toonami that are popular at certain points in time and they can sell commercials but when you're buying a dbz home release that's just funimation trying to sell you that home release yeah well heath we have officially hit the the, uh the hour mark here actually as of our raw recording i have an hour two We'll see what that ends mm-hmm. up with in the, the final edit here. So it's been a pleasure to actually do two episodes in a row. Since the last episode, I only got around to releasing on a Thursday. Uh, we'll see when it is. I'm able to get this episode out. We have a blizzard coming, apparently. So I may have some extra time at home that I can dedicate to the show. We'll see how that goes these next couple well, of days. Well, that would be nice. So I, I work the kind of job where just because I'm home doesn't mean I'm not working. So we'll see how it works I, out. We live in the day and age where I can also stay home. And I just VPN into work. Yeah. They don't like it. If you do that a lot, you're not really supposed to, but you totally can. I mean, you got stuff where you're actually out on site sometimes. That's the kind of thing where you can't be doing that from home, but all the paper pushing, that kind of stuff you can't be Mm -hmm. doing. Uh, Anyway, so again, it's been a pleasure. Heath, Mr. Hujio, Julie and I talked last week at the end of the show, stuff we got going on. We were plugging all the wiki work you've been doing. Did you really? I I only made it halfway through the last episode. Well, our- because I it not not because it was terrible. Uh-huh. I was very much enjoying it uh-huh. actually. Uh-huh. But um yeah, children and whatnot. I understand. Anyway, we talked about content we're all working on, uh, plugging for the site. We did talk about some of the wiki stuff you've been doing. And did you see in the forum today, you put up another uh, asking, soliciting, requesting mm-hmm. uh, thoughts, hopes, dreams, aspirations for, for techniques? template layouts. Yep. For the various Dragon Ball techniques that we see throughout the series. Um, the fun part is anymore. Um, I've done so many of the layouts. Then I just go, you know, maybe I'm missing something. I just need other people to look at. Yeah, it. yeah. So, so check that out if you're a member of the site. Uh, I do have a backlog of registrations. I kind of do them in batches. So if you haven't been approved. It's probably coming soon. And then anytime we get an email, then I just hop on usually. (laughs) Right, right. Take care of it. If an extra long period of time goes by, that probably means you looked like spam to the system and you're not there. Um, Don't re-register. If you have registered and you're not approved and it's been like a week or something like that, um, do use the contact form. We'll take care of it. We'll look into it. Yeah, when we get like three in a row within 30 seconds and they're all the same name with different email addresses. Yeah, don't don't do that. It is I just delete those. Yeah, I delete them all because 
because that looks like spam. Uh, it is a manual process. We do have manual approvals on the site because it's overwhelming. And even though we have cut down uh, spam registrations to a bare minimum, still it's a manual thing. We do it that way. Um, so we talked about your wiki stuff. Julian's got translation stuff. I'm hoping I can approve some of that and get it up quickly. I'm still plugging away in victory mission stuff. Uh, news. There's some something else I was working on. I always have a feature that I'm working on. And then I think about doing another feature and we'll see if any of them get done. Um, then there's another one that Jake had the basis for. Then I started reporting the pages and then you started doing images for. Now you're doing yep. wiki. Well, actually, I've, I've rewritten like half you, of it. Uh, yeah, I do that with everything images, too. So. And uh, that one, I think we're also kind of waiting on the new movie. Um, how's that going to tie into Every what time we, write? we get close to doing this, this specific guide, uh-huh. a new movie comes out. A new guidebook, a new certain movie. characters that we can't, so we can't do it. Right. <laughs> And I always want to go back and do the video game guy, but it's like, Jesus, slow down with these new productions. We need to do some of this stuff. See, that's it's another reason why we're starting to lean towards the wiki, because then we'll get that done. People will do our work and then we can go <laughs> over and slowly port it over to the site. I mean, we, we've talked in the past about what, something like that. What will the wiki be in relation to what a page on the site will be? And that's a larger conversation. We'll talk more about that mm-hmm. in the future. But I think in our heads, it's always been what is on the site is is us and what we have personally vetted. Right. The, the fact checked, final approved. Yeah, yeah. We're working out ways for that to happen. Uh, I'm done. I think so. Um, hopefully we can come back next week. Yeah, that in some nice. fashion. Yes, whether it's uh, another topic we're mining out of the magazine or something different entirely, there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about. There are topics planned. We'll hit them up. Heath, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. You know, by the end of next week, we'll just have more movie news, and Julian will be going insane. That's right. That was Hugio. We got Julian. We got Jake. Again, my name is Mike Vegito EX. It's been a pleasure being in your ears for 373. See you back next time for 374. www.kanzenshu.com. Get the website, get the forum, get the chat, get the podcast, get the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Tumblers, uh, the Google Pluses. We have cats. And we have plenty of cats. I'm going to go feed them right now. I'm done. Heath, wrap it up. Thanks for joining us on this week's Consent you, the podcast. We'll see you maybe next week. Walk around my hole at the Kuisa, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby.